Good evening from the bowels of the Horror Press estate, and welcome to a new episode of the Horror Press Podcast, a podcast brought to you by HorrorPress.com. My name is James Michael, and I'm the curator of all things Horror Press. As always, this show aims to bring you the latest horror news you may have missed or overlooked, a place to quickly cover the happenings of the horror world, whether that's studio announcements, movie releases, or box office numbers, as well as some light genre discussion. Today we're joined again by our favorite mistress of the macabre, Ellie. Hey, Ellie. Hello. I feel like last time people heard me, I was talking about Jurassic Park with Brooker and Orlean, and I was a mess because Fantasia had just wrapped up, and now I'm a mess because I, I just tested for COVID. <laughs> That really so, sucks. I can't believe this is the first time you're getting the COVID. the first time. I finally got the plague, you guys. I feel so included now. <laughs> <laughs> so please excuse me as I become sicker while we record this podcast. <laughs> it's crazy that in America, at least, like, the FDA was basically telling us, like, after five days, you, you don't have to quarantine anymore. Like, I feel like five days is nothing. How is that possible that it's only five days now? Well, I know some people who've, like, had it a few times, and by the third time, they just, like, clear it in a few days, because it's, like, just a common cold at that point. It kind of was for me, but I've had it a million times at this point, um, but that first time, literally, I was dead for 30 days. Yeah, I'm hoping it goes quick, because I, I got, like, five vaccines, so I'm juiced up to the max, guys. Let's go. You're completely in tune with 5G? Yes, I am. I am the Wi-Fi now. You survived when they activated that, like, DNA stuff and all the, like, metal particles in your, your cells, right? I mean, maybe not, though. Oh, at any point, you it know? just might start happening. Maybe I'm is... a zombie. Maybe by the end of this podcast, I'll just be a zombie. So. Is that why you're feeling sick? Maybe. Oh, it's not COVID. <laughs> okay, y'all. But, like, the test, the test, the, the, the pause or negative line came up immediately before the control line even had a chance to come up. Like, that's how sick I am right now. Wow. It was just, like, immediate. All right, so this is kind of, like, a very light on the news week. Uh, but the good news is that Horror Press will be at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival starting this week, which I'm really looking forward to. I'll be there. Lewis will be there. Sheree will be there. And Samantha will be there. So we'll have lots of coverage for that coming soon. I'm so excited uh, to hear what you guys get to see. There's this one movie that I'm really looking forward to. It's completely sold out. It's called Cannibal Mukbang. I have no idea what it's about, but <laughs> just the title alone, Cannibal Mukbang, has me super excited. I feel like it's very descriptive. Tell me that's not a good title. Like, whoever named it, like, knocked it out of the park. Some streaming news, because this was kind of like a big week and a big month for streaming itself. Um, Boogeyman is now on Hulu. That came out, I think, on Friday, October 5th. Uh, I have not seen Boogeyman, but we did review it. Lewis didn't really like it that much, but it looked like a fun movie. Like, if it's free and you have a Hulu subscription with, like, the Disney bundle, like, why not watch it? I liked it a lot. I, I watched it when I was a house sitting alone in the middle of the woods. So, um, you know, I did have to take some breaks because it's a very spooky story. I, I do remember it, the yeah. trailer being terrifying. It probably like leads a little too heavy in the metaphor, but um, I think it's a solid movie. Y'all will enjoy it, I think. I think that was his main complaint is that it was very heavy handed with yeah. the metaphor. Yeah. Uh, we also get VHS 85, which came out on October 6th. 
which yeah. I, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm super excited for it because I love that franchise. I'm excited that now that I'm sick and can't go anywhere, I'm going to be able to blast through all the VHS um, compilations I've missed. I can't believe you've never seen them. No, I've seen some of them. I just I just uh, can't remember where I left off. Well, there are definitely some clunkers in there, but yeah. I think last year's 95 was decent. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard some good things about this year, so Same. we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So Chucky season three premiered this week, and I don't know if you've kept up with the series itself, but somehow it sees Chucky taking over the White House. <laughs> and no, the teasers I... themselves are so fun if you haven't seen them. It seems like I haven't kept up with Chucky at all, but I feel like they have so much fun behind the scenes. I enjoy Devin Sawa on Twitter immensely, so um, maybe I'll also binge that. Oh my god. If you haven't seen it, you're in for such a treat watching season one and season two. In America, they're streaming on Peacock. Yeah. And they're, okay, it's, don't take it seriously at all. It's ridiculous. Oh no. But it's very well done. Season two was very meta. It was insane. There was like a murder mystery dinner episode. Definitely check it out. I'm excited. I'm excited. I don't know like how I feel. I watched uh, episode one of season three and I'm still very confused as to how Chucky gets to the White House, but who cares? It's Chucky. He can make it work. Our next bit of news is that we're getting a Terrifier 3 teaser that's premiering ahead of the Terrifier 2 re-release in theaters that's coming November 1st. And Damien Leone has gone on the record to say it's a like legit meaty teaser trailer. Like it's not a 10 second clip. It's it's got meat to it and I'm very excited. I may just go rewatch it just for that. I can't believe Terrifier 2 is going back to theaters. That's so wild to me. I remember when they first, when it first premiered and we were getting all these emails saying like, please help promote this. It's only going to come out for one day. And then it turned into a full theatrical run. I watched it um, once it was out on VOD and it looked so incredible. Like it was disgusting. Don't get me wrong. Legit had beautiful cinematography in it. Like very impressive. So I'm excited to see what he does for three and I'll probably hold off on the trailer because I usually hold off on trailers, but still, I'm excited for him. I wonder what direction they're going to take three in since they kind of like did this weird mythology type approach with mm-hmm. with the girl and are like, are they good versus evil? Like, are we going to get angels versus like demons? The little poopy diarrhea girl? Like, what is, are we going to find out about all that? Who knows? I, do you think we're going to get more diary on Terrifier 3? To be honest, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need more of that. So, what movies have you been keeping up with lately? Like, I just saw Saw 10 Friday night. I wanted to see The Exorcist, but I'm probably going to hold off on that one. Yeah, I went to see The Exorcist yesterday. It was in a uh, almost abandoned uh, movie theater uh, across the hallway from Paw Patrol movie. So, you know, it was a vibe. Uh, the movie itself is kind of a mess. So, um, but it's 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 interesting. I find uh, the franchise very very interesting. But it's a it was a good weekend for like big franchise horror movies to come out. There's a lot of stuff that came out on VOD too that was kind of 
interesting or not interesting. It's crazy how much Universal paid to acquire the rights to The Exorcist, considering like they had plans to do like a full fledged trilogy, and with what's projected to be like not a very good turnout for this movie. I wonder if that's going to just, you know, stop them from continuing with the trilogy. I don't know. Because, okay, so here's my take on the movie. I saw a lot of people being like on Twitter, film Twitter, can we take a pause and say that film Twitter is a bad place? (laughs) You can cut that out. We don't even have to pause that. (laughs) (laughs) Film Twitter is a bad place. Film Twitter has gaslit me into watching so many terrible sequels and threequels and whatever. Um, but with this movie, the take was like, you could see the very, very heavy marketing that they were leaning on it being the 50th anniversary of the original film. And, uh, and then as soon as the review started to come out, everyone was like, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And then like the contrarian point of view has to come out and say like, it's good, actually don't shit on things, blah, blah, blah. So I went into it. Just being like, what does this movie have to offer? And I legitimately enjoyed probably the first half of the movie. I loved the father-daughter relationship. I thought the actors were good. And I thought they were doing a good job of like establishing this relationship. Very much like in the original Exorcist. You know, the first part of the movie is the relationship between Reagan and her mother. Um, And then the terror comes as this child is slowly getting sicker and sicker and the mom just kind of doesn't really know what to do about it. And none of the experts know what to do about it either. Um, So I was enjoying that in this movie, but then the turn comes where they suddenly are sandwiching in Ellen Burstyn and like no shade to her. She's a queen. I love her. And sort of like adding in this like legacy lore. And that's when the movie just completely falls apart. It's to me, it feels like it was like sandwiched in and it's, it, it feels like stuff was cut out of the, of the sort of narrative and the backstory that would have been included had they not had those like few scenes with her. So without being too spoilery, how the hell do they even like work her into the movie when this takes place like 50 years after the fact? It's essentially like someone is like, have you, have you considered exorcism? Okay. She's like an exorcist expert. So they bring her in to like kind of exposition dump, but it's like insane. Cause like they had Anne Dowd also, who's the one who like, brings the link between this family and Ellen Burstyn. So I'm like, you had someone like Anne Dowd right there. You don't need to bring in legacy characters. She's all, like, she's an incredible actress. You didn't need to add in anything more. And I would have liked to spend more time, more time, cause like you don't really know anything about the demon at all, which is still kind of on brand, but it, it just, it felt like there was holes. And so there was no Pazuzu. There was no Pazuzu. Not that like I there's no tell. mention Maybe of Pazuzu? Maybe I missed it, because also, like, um, I can't hear anything now that we don't have subtitles, so, (laughs) in the theater, (laughs) I can't understand anything, so I may have missed it, but, like, there was some creepy stuff, and then I think the later half, they just relied way too much on makeup on the girls, like, the girls were really good performers, too, and so they relied way too much on the makeup at the end, and then we can get into the other point that I brought up with you, but, uh... Um, but yeah, I think it was just kind of, a, it was just kind of messy. It wasn't, it wasn't awful though. Like if people enjoyed it, like I understand why you enjoyed it. I really didn't hate it. I didn't feel like I wasted my time at all. If you don't like the story for the plot, okay, does the story at least push the envelope when it comes to effects? Do we see anything new or it's just same old, same old rehash shit from Exorcist? No, it, it, it was, it was interesting. Cause like I had just, if you, if you hang out on my, on my, um, <laughs> 
on my Instagram page, uh, you know, I did a, I talked about a few different William Friedkin movies, including The Exorcist, and I really uh, got to appreciate, like, going back and watching a bunch of his movies, I got to appreciate his uh, style as a filmmaker and his aesthetic in particular. You know, his style is very reminiscent of a documentary film in that he has, the camera is finding the actors, right? The camera... He's a, he 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 uh, sets up the scene where it's like here are the limits of the actual physical space. The actors will move around it, and it's the cinematographer's job to find them, and the actor's job to find the camera. He's talked about that. He talked about that a bunch in various over the years, and it makes for really dynamic films because the film never tells you what's scary. It never tells you what you're supposed to be looking at, and that's what that's what builds tension in his action movies, and that's what makes The Exorcist so scary. Is that there's no clues to what is happening. And it, it sort of creates this like slow boil throughout the film until you get to the final sequence when you're like, I can't breathe. I don't understand why I can't breathe, but this is the most intense that I've ever seen. And in this movie, like I could see it right away. As soon as they were trying to do something scary, there was jump scares. There was like cutaways. So you never got a sense of the space. You never get a sense of, of the violence. Um, it wasn't super gory at all. Um, so, and they didn't even really do too much, like, you know, they say, the girls say a couple, like, mean things, but, like, hit in that same way. I don't think, it, it seemed like, uh, it, it was like they were afraid to go too hard with it, which is always, like, you see that with, like, big, uh, studios trying to do a horror movie. They try to make it good for everybody, and it's like, well. It's a shame, too, because it is rated R. Keep in mind, I am extremely jaded and corrupted, so maybe my version of what's not scary <coughs> cannot be trusted. <laughs> True. You are the mistress of the macabre. I'm fucked up. <laughs> it, it's a shame in many ways, but, you know, what made the movie special back then was how jarring it was to see those things. You get a, a, attached to Linda Blair's character, you get attached to the family, and she's this adorable little child and to see her just like systematically destroyed by Pazuzu is what really like gets you and I one of the big complaints I've heard about this movie is that it's very slow and a part of me is like well that's good you you grow with the characters but then I also hear like there's tons and tons of unnecessary cheap jump scares yeah you could tell like there was a build and then they were like we need to punch it up with some scares so there's a couple random things that they just cut away to and I'm like that didn't need to be there that was and I wouldn't want that in that an Exorcist cheap. movie. I mean, Exorcist movies, I think it's interesting that it's kind of wild that Universal acquired these rights because um, Exorcist, like possession movies in and of themselves are not necessarily problematic, but these, but Exorcism in it specifically has kind of like phased out over the years as like something that's like quite scary. Especially like as we've progressed with mental health issues and mental health awareness, like... Where does exorcism even fit in? Well, and I also think, I think I, I said, I might have said this on Twitter. I might have said this on, in one, when I'm talking about the actual exorcist film, but it's like the idea that the Catholic church is the hero. Like, um, no, the Catholic church gives a shit about children. Um, absolutely not. So like, I, you know, I feel like there's like a big buy-in and I, I almost feel like a lot of these exorcist movies, not the exorcist, but exorcism movies, are like propaganda in a way for like 
see the faith is so strong and there is a fight against there's a there's a specific devil that you have to fight against it's a specific demon it's not just that like we live in a corruptible capitalist society that people do bad shit it's a big buy-in for me personally and this movie kind of tries to address that by like introducing root magic as like i think that's what she called it again there was no subtitles and my ears i think are very bad as like a balance to the catholicism or the uh the protestantism because there's a protestant family as well involved but it's very ham-fisted and I think trying to squeeze the movie still puts the Bible Catholicism as like the ultimate savior in like a very specific moment towards the end of the movie. And I think it's kind of just uh, trying to patch up what is ultimately like a very problematic trope. Use black people to like absolve yourself of some like bigger systemic issues, which I don't really love either. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, and I have I cannot emphasize enough. It's like really just like, just like shoved in there at the beginning, and then in the later half of the movie, it's just like, boop, boop. like literal white savior. Not white savior. It's like it's like a it's it's like a magical Negro trope almost. That's what I felt honestly. <laughs> what? Yes, like this oh. black person will have the the deeper, more wise knowledge to like cure. Um these like western families um it wasn't it was you know and i think they tried and i it wasn't i don't think it was cartoonish or you know it wasn't like insulting to the person like the actress also was like great it's kind of a band-aid to me so Um, does this improve your opinion of david gordon green no no (laughs) no um so i saw saw last night not last night, Friday night. And I really enjoyed it. I, I loved it. I went into it expecting typical Saw stuff. It surprised me in a couple spots. I was very pleased with it. So uh, tell me, how were the traps? So I remember going into this, reading lots of stuff on Twitter. Like, this is the goriest Saw movie you'll ever see. Like, we're going to pass out barf bags. And even Damien Leone from Terrifier 2 was like, LOL, been there, done that. Honestly, the, the the traps were good, but they were nothing, like, spectacular. At least they don't stand out in my mind. Like, the big one that you see on all the posters is the eyeball one. I was like, meh. Other than that, I had a really good time. I was very surprised. Somehow it got me, like, to feel for John Kramer. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. I have no idea. Um, it does set up neatly for like the sequels in the post credit scene. Mm-hmm. I, w- I kind of hate this whole credit scene like world we live in now mm-hmm. because I literally sat there throughout all of the credits until the very end because I thought there was going to be an extra one and there wasn't. So I wasted my time. But there was one that sets up the sequels. That's a wild choice, though, to kind of try and make John Kramer sympathetic. And they do- they've done that throughout the franchise oh, they to really try and do, like, though, like give him like a motivation and like his morale, like if you track his morale through the movies, uh, or his morality rather, um, not really consistent, you know? So this movie's literally two hours long. Holy shit. And I want to say a good hour of it at the beginning is just seeing this poor, sad John Kramer dying of cancer. 
And then the rest of the movie is literally just him being John Kramer and putting people in traps with Amanda. Mm-hmm. Which I was, it was very cool to see Amanda as like his apprentice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found myself getting very confused because it was like they did a decent job of making me sympathize with this little old 90 pound man dying of cancer. I mean, that's also kind of like why the Saw movies are not really, have never really been my thing because it's just like, I feel like it's, um, it's just like a horror version of Batman. Like, you have this, like, vigilante who's gonna clean up the streets by, like, <laughs> by, like, what, torturing a bunch of people who, like, stole some shit? Like, who are just trying to, like, get by? Who, like, you know, got away with some sketchy shit? Like, I don't know, go kill some politicians. I don't Like, go kill some warlords. Like, why are like, you going after people who, like, you know, did insurance fraud or whatever? <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't care. The logistics... <laughs> I was sitting there, like, during the movie, because there's one very specific trap that has, like, he must have welded the shape to look like some Aztec god, right? Wow. And I'm thinking, like, they mentioned the time span. It's, like, three weeks between his experimental cancer treatment that he was, like, let go and, like, when he captured them. And I'm like, how the fuck did he design all these traps in Mexico and then make, like, this ornate Aztec god helmet? Listen... (laughs) timelines in the saw franchise are you kidding me none of them make sense someone has a time machine saw 12 is going to be like oh he built a time machine that's how he got that's how he was able to do all this stuff isn't like three four isn't like two three four and five all taking place at the same time or something i can't remember i think so i know this one takes place between i think one and two ridiculous absolutely ridiculous there was one trap that i didn't like at all and it was like a repurposed mri machine um, oh, gross. Where he, like, fries someone with it. No. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Two hours, I turned off my brain, except for, like, half of the movie where I was like, Jesus Christ, why am I sympathizing with this man? And they really oh. try to <laughs> idolize him because Amanda's there, his apprentice, and she's, like, trying to learn, and she idolizes him clearly. And she, he's treated as, like, this super cool icon that is there to, like, self-help. It. No, he's just a cop at that point. Like, he's just a fucking vigilante cop. Also, like, he claims he's an architect. How the hell does he have all this money? Again, time and space don't matter in Saw franchise. There's I no want to say... There's no... It's it's a time machine. It's a, it's a wormhole. The Saw franchises operates in a wormhole. That's my new take. Also, like, American healthcare. Brain surgery I mean, and cancer treatment. The experimental kind. Like, literally, uh, I think... I saw, like, when they were going through the numbers, like, they show it casually. He only paid, like, $130,000 for, like, quote-unquote brain surgery and chemo treatment for the experimental kind. Like, there's no way that there's this traveling doctor going all over the world doing experimental treatments, curing people, and it's not for, like, the super stupid bajillionaires of the planet. First of all, insane that you just said only $135,000 for life-saving surgery. <laughs> well, insane to me. I had a friend. <laughs> Let me just okay. reiterate that that is an insane concept. I had a friend, okay? Mm-hmm. She got pregnant freshman year of college, and the baby came out prematurely, and it cost oh, her over $100,000. And she literally declared bankruptcy at, like, age 19. See, real life is a whole... Again, why is he not going after... Just like go after a bunch of healthcare CEOs. Well, he kind of did. Kramer, then I'll then I'll cheer <laughs> he for you. He kind of did in Mexico. Go after the lobbyists and the and the like uh, the politicians. 
Go after Joe Lieberman is what I'm saying. <laughs> it was a fun movie, and I thought the the villain of the movie, quote unquote, the villain who was not John Kramer somehow. Um, Insane. She's she's a badass, and I liked her. Sick. Well, I'm definitely gonna watch it once it comes out on uh, VOD because I've literally seen all of the Saw movies. It's my like sick. Uh, whenever I'm like, I need to watch something depraved. No, I think all the Saw movie. movies are coming out on Shutter too soon. Oh, sick. I think. It's either Shutter or Screenbox by the end of the month. Someone who's smarter than me can, like, map out the timeline. Like, a, like do an intricate mapping out of the timeline. Because I want to see it. I want to see it all together. So, while we're on the topic, do you have a favorite Saw Trap? Favorite is a strong word. Okay, which one has made you squirm the most? Oh, the Needle Pit. Yeah, for sure. Needle Pit is so memorable, but also for me... It's a tie between Needle Pit and, for whatever reason, the fucking car seat cushion. When he, he, he was, like, I don't... He was, like, super glued or something in, like, booty shorts. The Needle Pit <coughs> and also the... I think it's at the end of Saw 5, the one with Julie Benson in it, where, like, there's only two of them left and they have to, like, bloodlet a bunch to, like, open this trap. And uh, if they had, like, helped... They find out that if they had helped people along the way... They would have only had to, like, let out a little bit of blood, but instead they have to, like, rip their arms open because they let other people die. Oh, that was pretty good. That was a good twist. I like that. The morality is all over the place because it depends on who's writing it. And, like, sometimes they come up with really good reasons why you should be angry at someone who did something actually awful. And sometimes it's like, oh, he stole a car. (laughs) You're like, what? Well, there's, there's a trap in 10 that I thought was, like, real, like, wimpish. That it just involved, like, breaking your fingers. And I feel like I would have, I probably would have been able to do that. No problem. (laughs) No no problem. Like, there were a couple of them. But there was one that was pretty hardcore. um, That's, like, the first real victim towards the end. That is pretty heavy duty. I'll wait till I'm not super sick to watch it. Let's say, let's say that. So are there any movies that you're looking forward to that are coming out? Oh, there's a bunch. I have to look at my... I went through a bunch this weekend, too. I watched Totally Killer. That was, like, really, really fun. I watched... Um, I'm really looking... I mean, it's not technically horror genre, but I'm really looking forward to Killers of the Flower Moon. Literally have been looking forward all year to that movie. It's weird that Apple is yeah. behind that movie. I mean, get that bag before they... The Apple has, like, a vault of unlimited money in the buggers underground somewhere like they're fine just take their money i'm sure it'll be out on apple tv soon because they really want to make apple tv happen and i've had a subscription to that for like a year and i haven't turned it on once i don't know because scorsese's really pushing i mean they're gonna push it for a big oscar movie it's gonna be a big oscar movie for sure so they're gonna do probably a very extended theater run like they did with the whale you think yeah i think so it's Scorsese. It's like probably going to be his last big epic movie. He's an old man. Yeah, but it's Apple and they're like juggernauts. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but other than that, I also watched Sound of Freedom this week, which was a wild experience. I commend you for that. I hope you <laughs> like pirated it and you didn't pay for it because. <laughs> no comment. No comment. I did nothing wrong. You did nothing um, wrong. Okay. <clears throat> Um, how was that? Because 
I I see it whenever I open up, or I did but back in the day, whenever I'd open up AMC app, it would be there. How is this still in theaters? I feel like no one has seen it. And then everyone is saying that most of them are sold out. But the theory is people just buy blocks of it just to like pretend. Oh yeah, the marketing behind this movie was insane. It's a, it's a competently made movie. Like it wasn't um it wasn't bad. It wasn't like a fun bad movie. Cuz I was hoping that like they were <clears throat> originally I was hoping they were going to do like full adrenochrome shit and I was like really excited to see that. Um but it's it's it was made before QAnon really got super crazy. And the only reason it got associated with that crowd is because Jim Caviezel is a fucking nutcase uh, uh, and a fascist and a whatever. Didn't he, one uh, of them just recently like get caught for like child trafficking or something? Oh, they do trafficking in the movie. The plot of the movie is them trafficking children to save the children. Like that was kind of what blew my mind about it, which is like they sold this movie to all these like crazy, I shouldn't say crazy. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of derogatory. I think they sold this movie to the conspiracy minded crowd as like, this is a, this is what's really going on. This is the truth behind child trafficking. And like you mentioned, they did this thing where it's like, you could pay it for because it's such an important movie. Everyone needs to see it. So you can buy tickets so people who can't afford tickets can go see it. So you're donating tickets to this website. So like huge theaters were sold out, but like people weren't necessarily going to see the movie, which just made more people like conspiracy minded being like, I was in an empty theater and like, but it was said it was sold out. And anyway, but the plot of the movie is them trafficking children. They go to a, a trafficker as, as DHS employees, Department of Homeland Security, no less. They go to traffickers and say, and undercover as some rich psychopath. And they're like, bring me 50 children to this island where we're all going to have a party for rich people. And then they do. And the whole movie frames it as like, we rescued these children. It's like, no, you paid someone to go kidnap children because they were like, oh, this rich guy has money and I'll just bring him a child. Which, and then I was like, that's a wild plot for them to have written oh no, they show footage of the actual raid that they did. So this guy, Tim Ballard, Operation Underground Railroad, speaking of racism, who has since been dragged for being an absolute sex pest, um, who, who this story is based on, who Jim Caviezel is playing, would do these operations where he's saving heavy, I'm making heavy quotations here, saving children, but he's actually incentivizing actual trafficking. And he's traumatizing children the movie is somehow it's like oh because at the end they weren't assaulted it was good it's like no you still paid someone to take them to another location which is the literal definition of trafficking and this is a movie that was signed off by the department of homeland security too who coincidentally runs ice which has an enormous (laughs) detention facility of unaccompanied minors and is contributing greatly to the problem of child trafficking so this movie is just through and through propaganda, fascist propaganda, in my opinion. Uh, don't comment horror press if you disagree. <laughs> um, just comment me. But yeah, the movie sets him up as like this Christ-like savior, and is is it's just wild. And it it to tie it back to what we were talking about earlier, 
you know, having just come off, I had this really interesting discussion about The Exorcist, the original Exorcist, where I feel like this movie, I feel like The Exorcist is like a portal for a certain kind of savior complex where you have to design this perfect victim that can be saved, right? Who is the most innocent, uh, so socially speaking, this little tiny white girl is sick and doing all these horrible things. And then it's up to these like big, strong men to like rally together and, and save them. And it's about their moral fortitude that they can face off with this evil demon that's preying on this small child. And I feel like that's what literally happens in Sound of Freedom is like, they set up this idea of what the perfect victim is. It's like these small children. They're not interested in supporting survivors who are adults now. They're not interested in, I mean, they're not interested in supporting survivors at all. Let's be real. It's just like they have to do the, it's all about the rescue and the save. And there's no, no, no thought about the support before the support afterwards. What contributes to this being an industry? How do you support people once you try and get them out of it? So the, there was like some weird parallels going on in my head too when I was watching it of like this construction of who gets to be saved and who is worthy of saving. I mean, it definitely sounds interesting. You probably may it's be not, more it's interested boring. in watching it's it. Also, no, it's very boring. It's two hours and 10 minutes and I had it on 1.25 speed. I didn't notice because it's so slow and it like it's 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 all like full of pathos. Like it'll just like linger on his face as like a tear rolls down his cheek because he's so sad that he's like has to watch like images of child abuse has to quote unquote it thinks it's much smarter than it is and i'm like y'all are just talking about how you did crimes the cops did crimes and they're supposed to be heroic and it's like these kids didn't know that you were gonna save them when you paid someone to traffic them what the fuck you've already traumatized them it's not it's not fun bad that's what i mean it's just like it's just like an average thriller you can find on Prime after like scrolling for a few minutes. Do you think that there's any chance that this was faked? What was faked? Like the whole like we're going to visit child traffickers and be like we need 50 children. Um, I think it was probably exaggerated in the movie. But like, t- you know, the Tim Ballard's organization has been flagged by many watch groups for being... Um, for doing these operations that cause more harm than good. So like he'll either lie about stuff or the times that he does do stuff, um, it's exaggerated. And times that he does do stuff also like he's causing harm, like he's scaring people, like he's he's rescuing people that don't need to be rescued or don't want to be rescued, right? Like taking people out of their communities. Like just because someone is being in an abusive relationship doesn't mean you're helping them by like removing them entirely from their whole city you know what i mean yeah like that's not helpful and then abandoning them afterwards so the whole situation is scary it's scary but it's also ultimately like a lame-ass movie and i think there's probably going to be some crackdown from the box office of like how the numbers of what you've actually sold go towards what tickets you've sold because anyone can kind of do that kind of just be like okay i'm just gonna buy a hundred tickets for everybody else it doesn't mean people saw your movie right I mean, I don't know anyone other than you that has seen it. I only know people that saw it who, like, cover, like, QAnon stuff all, all watched it. So, real life horror there. There you go, folks. <laughs> all right, so let everyone know where they can find you. Yes, you can find me on Instagram at badcritic with an underscore at the end. Also, um, I'm trying to post everything on my Medium page, which is, like, not under the influence of Meta because Meta is being a little wonky up here in Canada. 
So, uh, medium.com slash badcritic, um, and you can interact with me there, too. And I'm on all the other socials as well, depending on uh, what you feel like using. Well, that's right. Meta doesn't allow, like, news in Canada. Yeah, they're having a fight with Trudeau. Crazy. Well, that wraps up episode 14 of our podcast. It's been a nightmare. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Don't be afraid to reach out and let us know what you think, and be sure to leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. We look forward to seeing you soon for the next episode of the Horror Press Podcast. Bye! Bye.